What's going on, guys? Kieran Headley here from the Pocket Coach Podcast. So I'm with a very inspiring man. Uh, his name's Shannon Graham. And I was actually going through a bit of a story and I was honestly quite taken back, honestly, by where he's come from because for a, a few months now, I've actually seen what he's created rather than where he's come from and uh, really diving into his background. Uh, this man has literally experienced uh, depths of depression, some homelessness as well. And from that space, he's literally gone and created what is an unbelievable empire of uh, uh, creating um, and really assisting leaders and creating their own sense of empowerment, their own empire as well. And it's just like this constant ripple effect of leaders uh, in a global sense as well, uh, creating this uh, beautiful sense of um, empowerment as a um, as a flow and effect. It's really beautiful to see, and it's really inspiring to see. I've actually attended this man's um, online cinemas twice now, and the amount that I learned from this man is is honestly inc- incomprehensible. So I'm so excited to introduce this man, Shannon Graham, for over 17 years. 17 years he's helped leaders. Okay, over 17 years. He's a founder, he's an executive coach and leadership coach, a keynote speaker, motivational speaker, and an author of two uh, incredible books, which I actually really want to tune into a little bit more, which is uh, Revolution of Self and Expand. Okay, so you can also uh, grab those if you are interested. And so this man has also uh, reached a specific level within himself where he is actually charging. 150,000 US dollars per year for his one-on-ones, which is insane. But that just actually goes to show the level that he's created for himself from that space of depression through the space of empowerment. So without further ado, I would love to introduce Shannon Graham. Uh, Welcome on the show, mate. Thanks, Kieran. Thanks for having me. Yeah, man. Awesome. So I'd love to dive straight into uh, this idea of worthiness, because I've, um, turned into some of your content and I, I, I absolutely love what you say around, um, how you are literally the leader of your own life. So there's leadership and obviously people generally think, you know, corporations and businesses, uh, uh more in that sort of business sense. However, uh, leaders, uh, when it comes down to leadership itself, that leadership principle applies to my life. Right. So, you then went and said um, how worthiness is really that core of what creates that leadership. So I'd love for you to talk on that for a bit. Why is it that uh, worthiness is so important to the sense of leadership? And why is it that we are, um, that we need to actually learn to be the leader of our own life? What is so important about that? <clears throat> Those are good questions. Um, I think it's, the first piece of the puzzle is um, a leader of a company has a vision for an impact that they want to create in the world. Um, And so their job as a leader is to uh, not only hold the vision, but have other people enrolled in the vision so that they can help bring the vision to life. Well, that's kind of a metaphor for everyone, really. We all have a, a vision for our own lives. 
in my 17 years of doing this, I have not met one person who doesn't want something more. They want to be something. They want to do something. They want to have something. They want to feel something. They want to give something more than what they currently are. So I think it's safe to say in some way, shape, or form, everyone has a vision for their own life. And I'm a very big believer that we are all the creator of our reality. So if we're the creator of our reality, then um, having a vision for specifically what we want matters. And then choosing to take on a level of, of leadership or responsibility to bring that vision to life. Um, so that's, that's the essence of essentially everyone is a leader and everyone has the opportunity to lead their lives to exactly the reality that they desire. So what does that have to do with worthiness? Well, it, it has actually quite a lot to do with it um, because there's two pieces of the puzzle. You will only expand to the degree that you feel internally protected and provided for. Meaning if you're good with you, then you can feel safe and secure to externally expand into the unknown. Many of the people I work with are doing things that have literally never been done before, pushing boundaries and um, frontiers and pioneering and innovating. Uh, and, and you have to feel really internally secure in order to push those boundaries because no one knows what's on the other side. There's another side to that coin, which is that... Um, there's a difference, for example, between making a lot of money and making a lot of money and allowing it to nurture you in the way that it has the potential to. So you will only absorb as much as you internally believe you're worthy of. M most of the time, you will only receive as much as you believe you're worthy of. And every now and then some people kind of uh, break the rules and they will receive a lot of money, for example. Money is kind of a metaphor. But it won't nurture them the way that it's supposed to. Mm. And that's because of their internal mm, belief system about how worthy they are. And so worthiness has a lot to do with how far someone can expand, but also how much of that expansion they're willing to allow themselves to absorb. Okay. And what do you mean by allowing themselves to absorb? What do you mean by that? Well, I'll, I'll use another example. Uh, let's use a relationship, okay. for yeah, example. So let's say you're in a relationship with someone who uh, is unconditionally loving and they just have just unprecedented amounts of love to pour onto you. But let's say that internally you don't believe you're worthy of that love. They can pour as much of it onto you as humanly possible, but how much of it you absorb is determined by how worthy you feel you are. Yeah. You definitely. get that? That makes a lot of sense. So that's that's the mm -hmm. big difference. 
Um, and, and that's actually quite true of most people. Most, there's a lot of richness in most people's lives that they're unaware of simply because they haven't allowed themselves to absorb it. Yeah. yeah. It's like, um, you get the multimillionaire or billionaire and then you get the, um, Buddhist monk who doesn't have a coin on him. Right. And, uh, you can very uh, much see almost a, a huge difference and, uh, of course, seeming worthiness. However, you can also see a big difference in happiness and joy. So it's, it's very interesting seeing how they, do, they yeah. don't actually uh, correlate this external uh, appearance of worthiness, not actual worthiness, um, is not correlated whatsoever yeah. to uh, actual worthiness or overall joy. So um, I've heard you as well speak on um, worthiness, how that's unconditional. Everyone's worthiness is unconditional. What do you mean by that? That's right. Well, it's, it's like everyone, um, if you had a small child and they came to you and they said, how much love am I worthy of? What would the answer be? All of it. Yeah. Yeah. All of it. As much as humanly possible. And then a little bit more. You, you wouldn't put a limit on it, right? Right. You wouldn't say, well, you're worthy of 50%. <laughs> yeah. That kind of doesn't make sense, right? When we say it like that, it kind of mm. sounds funny. But if we think about it in context, that's what most people do. They, they put a limit on how much they believe they're worth, whether that's money or love or respect or mm. whatever. But the truth is worthiness so worthiness is different than value that's important to keep in mind um i might feel like i'm worthy of charging 150,000 a year but do i actually have the value to be able to charge that kind of money there's a difference um so worthiness is something that's unconditional um, so, so love is a great example because there's no, in order to be worthy of massive amounts of love, there's no conditions that are yeah. necessary for that. Um, in order to receive massive amounts of money, worthiness is probably one of the biggest barriers. It's not quite the same as love because, again, there's that value equation, which is like you have to be able to bring the value of whatever it is that you want to charge. But I think the truth is most people in the professional service industry, whether they're a consultant or a coach or whatever, um, most people have way more value than what they get paid for. Um, And that's typically because of that internal dialogue yeah and I, I can imagine that one's ability to create that value as well can also be predicated by that sense of worthiness yeah absolutely absolutely the more worthy you think you are the more uh well if you believe you're worthy then there's an internal sense that it's safe to expand and if it's safe to expand then what that means is Um, you will have more resourcefulness. Mm. You will be more willing to learn new skills. Um, And really, in in the context of value, resourcefulness and skills go a long way. Um, 
and yet those are resourcefulness and skills tend to be things that people without large amounts of, of internal worthiness avoid. Mm-hmm. Um, and so therein lies yeah, the challenge. And I, I, can, I can also imagine as well that in one's worthiness, when you talk about expansiveness becoming a possibility within that worthiness, uh, that once that expansiveness starts to occur, certain barriers that were set um, in order to keep self safe um, become broken down. Certain barriers of I have to do this in order to feel good or I have to be this way in order to be accepted. All of a sudden, these barriers start to come down and yep. that sense of I might like maybe that person might feel, and I know I've experienced this in the past, feel that I need to be a positive person in order to be accepted by others. So the moment that yeah. I felt that I couldn't shot positive anxiety. Uh, so, of course, in that sense of worthiness, those barriers get broken down, right? Right. That's right. Yeah. Yep. We, if we can, em- the more worthiness we can embrace, the more of our own limiting stories mm. begin to dissolve. Yeah, I love that. And then what's cool about that is once those barriers and those stories dissolve, you find there's actually very little distance between you and what you want. And that makes things really cool. That makes things really exciting because you can make a lot of progress in a very short amount of time. Yeah, and you're a perfect example of that. So uh, in saying that, I'd love to actually rewind a bit and uh, look at the time when you were facing depression, when you were facing homelessness. What happened to create that? And then what did you do? What happened yeah, to create Because that's obviously a big difference uh, in the depression as well, because that's a big difference to where you are now in terms yeah. of your worthiness that you spoke on just now. Mm-hmm. So what was it then that yeah. brought that? Well, it, I think it was a... I think there's a difference between knowing that you're worthy and thinking that you're worthy. Um, You can read a thousand self-improvement books and know everything that they say, but it doesn't mean that you are what they say. There's a big difference between knowing and being. I guess that's what I mean by thinking and knowing. It's really thinking and being. Um, so in the past, I knew that I was worthy, but I didn't, I didn't, um, that, that wasn't who I was being. That wasn't who I was being. And, and your being, your behavior is the greatest indicator of what you believe. Your behavior is the greatest indicator of what you believe. And so that's, that's typically where things become disconnected is when you know something rather than you are something, knowing something usually doesn't lead to being mm-hmm. something. Okay. There's a very conscious, and so this is where the, the, the page turns, there's a very conscious intentionality that comes from deciding to take what you know and integrate it into who you are. And that was what made the difference for me. I I came to the conclusion that I knew all this stuff, but I wasn't being the stuff. 
So when I decided to be the stuff, then things started to change very quickly. Okay, so what was it that, uh, because of course, you know, we go from maybe a child who might be experiencing some joy, might be experiencing um, life in, in a more full way, and then what actually dragged you from being that sort of more lighter um, child self into stepping into a lower self, lower sense of worthiness in the first place. That's what I want to get to. Well, I, th- I think it was, I think it was a combination of things. I mean, my dad left my mom before I oh. was born. And, um, so that led to just a series of challenges when I was younger, drugs, alcohol, mm. crime, things like that. And, um, so that, for me led to kind of beliefs and stories about myself and my, my worthiness and, and things like that. Um, so that's where I, I kind of got off track a little bit. Okay. I see. And then that obviously got you to that point. So then you were talking about actually starting to decide to be a certain way. And what was it that you managed to shift to go from that knowing to deciding to being, uh, what were some things that, you, when you reflect on it, that were really impactful in those moments that allowed you to actually make that shift? Well, I think the biggest, the, the biggest insight or breakthrough I had in that time was this concept of identity. Mm. Who you believe, you, like what you are, the being. I'm talking about the difference between thinking or knowing and being, right? Being, obviously being the more elevated version well, being is cause and effect. Being is the effect of an identity. Your being is the cause, is the effect of who and what you believe you are. So there's a difference between the stories we tell ourselves and the identity that we believe that we have. Because ultimately, it's the identity that's running the show. The identity is the, it's kind of like the master operating system that creates the beliefs and the thoughts and the feelings and the actions and ultimately the results. And so there, I, I made the decision that my identity was different than what I had believed it was. My, my, I had believed that my identity was I am someone who's not worthy mm. of success, of love, of whatever. And then I made the decision, and I use that word very um, precisely because I really believe a lot of transformation has to do with decision, making decisions. Uh, and, and when I say decision, I mean like the real essence of the word, which is to cut away Uh, As Tony would say, a line in the cement, not in the sand. And so I made a decision that my identity was I am worthy of everything that I want. And that identity led to my being different. And so that identity led to different beliefs, different thoughts, different feelings, different actions and ultimately different results. I see. That makes a lot of sense. Um, of course, that identity as well would, of course, raise that sense of worthiness that you spoke on, I can imagine. Um, so identity, how does one go to in- actually forge this new idea of well, identity? 
Well, it's a good question. I believe there's two there's two mm. ways to do it. Um, you can either uncover it, because I believe for most people their identity is already there. Whatever their most ultimate version of themselves is, I believe is already there. So like worthiness, for example, just because someone believes they're not worthy doesn't actually change their yeah. worthiness. Again, just like a child. Let's say a child comes home from school and says, um, you know, I got picked on today and I don't feel very worthy of love. Does that change their worthiness or does it just change how they feel about it? It changes how they feel about it, right? Mm. It just changes how they feel about it. It doesn't change the actual truth. So that's important because identity at the end of the day is a little bit made up, but it's also a little bit um, permanent. It's a little bit like you couldn't change it even if you tried. So that's the, the big shift is like uncovering or even allowing the identity that's underneath all the stories and all the projections and all the whatever that have been created to just find what's truly underneath all of that, which is the truth, which is you are worthy. So it's not even a creation. It's more of just an uncovering. Then there's some character traits and virtues that you can tack mm. onto that identity um, because we're all, I would like to say that we're all kind of the artists mm. of our own life. And so we get to kind of choose how we express ourselves, but also our, our being. So I, be, I believe we express ourselves by kind of what we do and how we create in the world, but we express our character and virtue through just who, who we're being in the world. And so those are elements of your identity that you can, that are malleable, that you can create and kind of um, architect. So I believe there's parts of it that are just that are just there. They are what they are, and and they're there and they exist whether you like them or not. And it's your job to kind of just surrender to them. And then the other side of it is you do have some creative liberty in the sense of like, okay, there's some elements of my identity that are just foundational, and then there's some peripheral parts to it that are also important that I get to kind of create. Um, that's. That's, that's I love that. It's almost like um, building a pyramid in a way, I suppose. It's like you've got the foundation. That's inevitable. That's that's the way it is. It's just there. And then you've got the pyramid that you structure on top of it. Um, so I suppose it that's just right. came. Um, yeah, I, I love that. So, of course, that first step is, um, is really to uncover what's there, uncover that worthiness, uncover what the identity really is, and then build up from there. So how does one actually surrender to that in the first place? Well, it's kind of like um, it's it's it, that's it's it's one of those kind of funny mm. questions. Like, how do you surrender? You know, you just kind of do. It's it's one of those things where it's like um, there's not a process mm. to it. It's just, it's kind of like quitting. Uh, this this concept of quitting cold turkey if you've ever yeah. heard of that before how do you do it you just do it um it's a decision yeah. so there's gotcha. that word again 
that word has so much power. It's become a bit watered down in our culture, but if we really absorb the the real meaning of that word, it has a lot of power. So in a moment of surrender, what you're really doing is just mm. making a decision. You're making a decision to let go of trying to control things or trying to make things harder than they need to be or that you're not enough or whatever. You're just, you're just, you come to a moment where you just decide to let all of that go. And the cool thing is all of the grace and all of the love and all of the ease and all of the beauty is right there to catch you the moment you make that decision. Um, so it's scary, right? It's like that trust fall. If like you and I are in a room and I'm standing behind you and you have your eyes closed and you fall backwards, there's a lot of trust necessary for me to catch you. So that moment when you first start tipping back and there's no, the point of no return, there's a little bit of that uneasy feeling, but the, the moment, if you can trust me enough to know that I've got you, then once you start to fall, you're like, I'm good. And then especially once you get caught, it kind of reaffirms your belief. And so it, it becomes this beautiful feedback loop that allows you to just spiral mm, up. I guess um, it's, yeah, I, I, lo- I love that. That, make, that reminds me of um, what Tony said about faith in terms of I must have faith to leave the house. You know, so many hundreds of people uh, die, I think it's um, daily in car crashes. Um, and yet I trust enough to get in my car and drive anyway. Um, I still got to have that trust to just get out That's there right. and just actually allow myself, surrender myself to that experience, whatever it is rather than trying to be so rigid in a certain yeah. way um, and allow myself to actually be life rather than be, you know, the less worthy version. Yeah. And I think, totally, I think there's something else that's helpful for maybe the people that are listening to this to get, which is really when we surrender in this specific context, we're not surrendering to like, I, I, I'm going to get in my car and I just have faith that everything will be okay, or I'm going to fall backwards and, and trust that the person behind me catches me. We're actually surrendering to ourselves. Mm. And so in that, within that, it's like, well, if you were going to entrust your surrendering to anyone, who better to entrust it to? Right. Because even if I had 100 percent faith that I could get in my car and go drive to Los Angeles and go to the movies or whatever, can't go to the movies right now. But um, even if I had 100 percent faith in that, I could still Mm. get in an accident. Um, Sometimes the faith, if there are external circumstances, still will um, not, you know, um, follow Mm. through. But you can have 100% conviction in yourself because what most people forget is your capacity for grace, your capacity for self-love, your capacity for self-acceptance, your capacity for all these things is much, much bigger than what most people engage with on a daily basis. And so it feels, it feels, and that's the key word, it feels a little... um, cautious to surrender to that only because you haven't done it but that doesn't mean that the 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 excellence isn't there and i find that the more people can trust themselves and the more they can surrender to themselves the more it becomes a feedback loop of oh wow i actually am 
more forgiving and more accepting and more loving and more graceful and more powerful and more resourceful and more, Mm. more than I thought that I was. And the more of that you can reveal to yourself, the more that gets revealed to you. And the more that gets revealed to you, the more you get to see. And the more you get to see, the more, the more, the more, the more. So it just becomes this beautiful um, circle. Expensiveness, right? Um, Yeah, that's fantastically put. I love that. Uh, I really found that in learning to trust, it was almost like this balance of relaxation and action, Uh, the relaxation of actually allowing, and then also this idea of action to solidify that idea of, oh, I can trust this. Um, like, I mean, if I was to elaborate on that, um, and I'd love to hear your opinion on this. Um, if I was to, uh, learn to, uh, trust more in a relationship, for example, um, really learning to relax more into, um, into what's happening and allowing what's happening to occur. Um, if I was getting jealous about a certain situation, um, and the action part is the fact that I'm actually taking action on allowing that to happen. So, um, and I'm taking action on um, on that situation unfolding. I'm taking action in terms of I'm deciding, like you mentioned, or if I was to increase my trust in terms of the way I trust my own word, it might be that I decided I'm going to meditate for five minutes every morning. It still takes action to do that, right, in order to increase that level of trust to have my own word. Um, so what, what's, what's, what would you say about that in terms of um, do you feel that um, – uh, action comes quite strongly into that sense of trust and surrender. Yeah, I think that um, I think it comes down to asking yourself what you want. The funny thing about that is when you ask that question to most people, and I've been doing this for 17 years, I've asked that question to a lot of people, most people can't answer it. What do you want? It's a pretty simple question. And most people can't answer it. And the reason is because of worthiness a lot of the time, because they don't believe they're they're deserving or worthy of getting what they want, so they typically settle for what's Mm. good enough. You know, as Tony likes to say, you don't get what you want, you get what you tolerate. And your tolerance is a direct correlation very often to your worthiness. And so the question is, what do you want? When you ask that question to most people, what they say right off the bat is what they don't want. I'll say, hey, John, what do you want? And he'll go, oh, man, let me tell you. I don't want any more of da-da-da-da-da-da. And then I'll, I'll be patient and I'll let him finish and I'll say, wow, that's really great, John. And you have not answered <laughs> my question yet. Yeah. But people are so hardwired to think that way. And so the question is, what do you want? And the more you can saturate into your own worthiness, the easier, this is where the relaxation comes in, the easier it becomes to have it. The easier it becomes to have it. Because often, very often, the things that people want are available to them right now. Right now. Like happiness, for example. Who doesn't want to be more happy? Most people, right? Well, what is required to be happy? Nothing. Look, look, at, a, look at a newborn child. They look around the world in total awe and they just smile and giggle and laugh for no reason. 
what's the criteria? How many steps does it take a, a child to be happy? Zero. Zero. So many of the things that people want, they misassociate with things. They think the money that they attach, the house or the status or the car or the whatever, to the happiness, when in fact they're separate. They're separate. It doesn't mean that they can't be related. They can certainly be related. You get a brand new car, I think just about everyone will have a smile on their face. So there is some happiness involved there. But hap if happiness is what you want for happiness sake, then that's available to you right now. But that takes a lot of worthiness to remove all the conditions that someone most likely has put on happiness and to just say, no, it's okay for me to have it now. Uh -huh. So there's this relaxed, like, nope, the fire hose is already going and all I got to do is just let it hit me. Now, the other side of that is maybe it's not available to you right now. So money, for example. Happiness is available to you literally in this moment. Money might not be, but that doesn't mean that you can't take some action. So here's where your action piece comes in. Once you're very clear about what you want and you're relaxed enough to truly believe you can have it, then the inspired action that comes next is usually deadly effective. And so that's how I see those kind of working yes, together. I love that. Uh, and you also used, um, I, I, I really noticed this word decide and come up. And I know you mentioned that it's been watered down in today's culture. So what would you say to those people that feel like, Shannon, I just can't decide. I just can't decide to do that. I just can't get myself to take action. What would you say to those people? Um, I would say that, that it's not that you can't decide, it's that you won't. Yeah. Because if we're talking about human beings, I believe that for the most part, we all relatively have the same amount of potential. Mm. Relatively. I think there's a little bit of difference between person to person. But for the most part, I think we're all capable of amazing things, which means we're all capable of making decisions. And so if someone says, I can't make a decision, it's not that they can't make a decision, it's that they won't. It's, it's either that there's too much fear involved, they're afraid of it not working out, or they're afraid of it working out. Yeah. And that sounds kind of weird, but it's true. Because if it works out, then you're going to get everything that you want. And if you're not worthy, then that doesn't work, right? If you get everything that you want, then you're going to have to deal with all the good feelings that come with that. And if you truly believe you're not worthy, that is in direct conflict with what you believe. And so you will purposely avoid making the decision that will create that reality. But you'll, you will disguise it by saying, I can't decide. Sure you can. That's so juicy. You just won't. So juicy. Yeah. Yeah. And um, this idea of of stepping into decision, you said that there's um, there's generally, of course, a lot of fear involved that will prevent someone from doing that. So, how does one go about actually navigating that fear? Is it that they just decide anyway and go for it? Or is it that there's maybe a step? Well, it's two. Way to go it, it's it, it's okay. it's two part. I mean, the best of the best of the best still yeah. feel fear. Um, 
and they do it anyway. Mm. So that's part one. I think there's a, there's a couple nuances within that that are important to bring up. So first of all, fear, feel the fear and do it anyway. That's mm. part one. But if there was some nuance to that, it would be you have to remember that you're bigger than whatever your fears are. For, and there's an inevitability to the game, right? If, if you are playing this game of expansion, whether it's love, joy, money, impact, or all of the above, there is an inevitability within the game called failure. So I'm here to tell anyone who's listening that if you are desiring to play a bigger game in any way, shape, or form, and you have this fear that you might fail along that process, let me ease your mind and tell you without a shadow of a doubt you will fail guaranteed no. guaranteed it's it, it, it is bound to happen because anytime you ever do anything beyond who and what you are there's failure involved but failure is not final is what's important for people to know that's how most people think about it. They think about it like if I fail, well, then it's all over. It's not all over. It's just the next step. So it's it, most people who feel the fear and do it anyway, the reason that they do it anyway is because even if they fail, they don't see that failure as final. So that's part one. Part two is um, the other reason they feel the fear and do it anyway is because of the curiosity of what if it works what if it works you can you can you can daydream all day about what if mm. it doesn't work and all the doom and gloom about what if i fail and what if it blows up in my face and what if they all laugh at me and what if i'm homeless and what if whatever you can ask those questions and that that information is absolutely available to you but so is all the good stuff what if it works what if it's the best thing i've ever done what if it allows me to be the biggest, best version of myself? What if it allows me to take care of my family in a way that I've never done before? What if it allows me to create impact like I've never experienced before, um, et cetera, et cetera. So those are the kind of things that will actually allow you to feel the fear and do it anyway because it's worth it. It's worth it if it yeah. works. Yeah, so feel the fear but do it anyway. And that's almost in a way, like you said, what if it does work? It's almost like a, an, an internal affirmation that could be done before someone actually takes action so that their frame of mind is in a specific way rather than it being in that uh, uh, self-belittlement um, sort of frame of mind that will, of course, create negative, occur um, negative right. um, reactions after that. So That's right. Mm, There's another thing I would add to that, which is human potential. I think it's safe to say that most people are much more capable and have much more potential than they demonstrate on a daily basis. There's this concept of what's called rising to the occasion, right? The interesting thing about peak levels of human potential is that you will only experience them under two circumstances. Number one, when life forces you to. So that's something that's out of your control. Shit hits the fan and you must rise to the occasion. And very often you don't have the time, you don't have the money, you don't have the resources, but you just, you, you become more resourceful and you make something that you thought was impossible happen. 
Um, but those moments are actually quite infrequent in life. If, if you look at, uh, you know, if you look at, at how often those moments happen in most people's lives compared to just the kind of the mediocre moments, they're very, very few and far between. So that's not a, that's not a very excellent way to expand. The other side of the coin is to intentionally choose to put yourself into situations or to create situations that force you to rise to the occasion. So here's, here's, here's the whole point. When someone is fearful about doing something they've never done before, what they're forgetting about is they wouldn't be called to a game that they can't play. That they have excellent potential and resourcefulness and power and, and energy and creativity that's just waiting to be unleashed, but it needs the conditions. Mm. But because most people don't have a regular experience of engaging with that power, then when it comes to doing something new, they default to believe that they can't rather than believing that they can, which is actually more accurate. This is not about motivational hyping or anything like that. It's actually mm. just science. What's, what's more scientifically accurate to believe is that I can, not because I think that I'm so cool, but it purely comes down to mm. my potential. I know that my potential is much more than whatever I think that it is. As much, I'm a pretty creative guy. I'm a pretty imaginative guy. And as much as I can believe my creativity or my potential is, I know that it's actually way more than that. So that's the ace up my sleeve in any situation. Anything that I get called to or anything that gets presented to me that's really big and really intimidating, I'm like, yep, I can do it. And people are like, well, what the fuck? Like, that's never even been done before. That's huge. It's like, well, I'm not betting on the past version of me. I'm betting on the future version of me that's more resourceful, more capable, more creative. I just need to give that version of me an opportunity to come out. And I, and I know he will. And, he, and that version of me has not failed me yet. Mm. And so I know that I'm not special in that sense. I know that everyone has that same ability. They just need to have the proper circumstances to pull it out. So, so fear is actually, it's, it's false. It's not scientifically accurate to the potential. And so once we can begin to integrate and really buy into that, then the fear kind of dissipates because it's like, oh, right. I'm fucking way more badass than I even realize. Of course, I'll, I can dance on this thing given the opportunity. So it totally changes. Yeah, the and one must, of course, not be a bench warmer of life in order to do that. They've got to actually be on the playing field in order to, um, yeah, create. Then, of course, yeah. um, that takes courage. And I've heard you say, courage is the small hinge that swings the big door. I love that so much. Yeah, that's, right. that's golden. Ah, uh, seriously. Yeah. Uh, so. Uh, th- that courage, would you say that is decision? Decision is courage? Would you say they're one or are they different things? Sh- mm. Sure. It, it, it takes courage mm. to make a decision. It takes courage. Everything you want lies on the other side of courage. Mm. Everything you want lies on the other side of courage. Because 
there is some um, inherent uncertainty with with doing things you've never done before. So it requires courage. It requires courage for you to to be, to do, to have, to give something that's beyond what you have in the past. Um, but courage is by and large the currency of um, of of those who really are the creators of their reality. Got it. And um, it sounds like that's an incremental um, process as well. It's a practice. It's it's repetition, just like at the gym. I see that you've made a huge transformation physically as well with yourself. That's obviously a big reflection on your worth, um, yeah. the worthiness that you've stepped into. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, in, in right. all aspects of life, of course. So, um, of course, in repetition, there's going to be certain setbacks. So, how is one to... Um, how can one respond to certain setbacks, certain failures in a way that is most proactive to them? Um, Well, I think there's, there's Mm. two pieces. One of them I've already mentioned, which is failure is not final. So most people, many people see setbacks as Mm. the end when really it's just the next step. So that's part one. Part two is a separation between failure and identity. So this one's really big. Most people, when they fail, they say, I'm a failure, which is an identity statement. The failure happens to everyone. There is no such thing as a person that is a failure. That's actually not a thing. That's not a character trait. If you, if seriously, if you look up the character traits of human beings, which I, which I'm fairly well versed on, positive and negative, failure is not on the list. So that's kind of yeah, interesting to know that if you ever call yourself a failure, it's actually total bullshit because it's not even a real <laughs> character trait. It's not even it's not even uh, something yeah. that you can be. The only thing that failure is is an occurrence it occurs it occurs that's all we can say about failure is that it occurs just like just like storms just like rain sometimes the rain comes along and sometimes it doesn't does that mean anything about you no it actually has nothing to do with you everyone fails Everyone fails. The best of the best of the best of the best fail. And in fact, I'd go so far as to say they probably fail more than most people. Right. Because they're the ones that put themselves out there. So right? if you can separate. Yeah. That's right. They put mm. themselves out there more. They, they attempt more. They, they try mm. bigger. They're willing to fail bigger. They're willing to, to fail more frequently because they've detached themselves from the failure. If the failure is just an occurrence, not even a learning opportunity, there's this huge narrative in the self-help space, which is like, oh, failure is just an opportunity to learn. Sometimes it's not. Sometimes it just happens. There's nothing to learn. You just, you fell. There's nothing to learn. You you already know, like, to get up and try again, and, and you probably already know what to do differently. Like, Sometimes it's not this huge, amazing learning experience. Sometimes it's literally just an occurrence. 
it, again, it's like the rain. When the rain comes, what did it, what's the great message in that? What's the great learning? I don't know. There is none. It just sometimes it rains, sometimes it doesn't. I love that. Failure is mm. the same way. It's like, yeah, sometimes there's great lessons. Sometimes there's profound lessons in failure. And sometimes there's not. Sometimes it just fucking rains on your parade and that's it. You just pack it in and you go home and you come out the next day and you try it again and that's it. But if you can separate the identity, I am a failure from I failed, that I failed, that's out Mm. there. I am is Mm. where the danger is. So if you can separate that out, One is an occurrence. One is something that happened. I failed, a.k.a. I Mm. attempted. I tried. I I experienced an occurrence. Mm. It rained, right? Rather than I am. I am. I I am. It's the I am where all the the power or danger lies. It's a really regressive idea, isn't it? Because the more one says I am, the more they become that, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's right. Wow. That's right. Yep. It's mm-hmm. a downward spiral. Most people, you know, they get one taste of it and then it, it serves them in some way, shape or form. And then it just becomes a habit. And then that becomes their identity. And they just, some people believe that they're the reason that it rains. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 I guess that's an almost um, a sign of ego as well, isn't it? Um, ego obviously not serving them in a way. Right. Okay. Sure. Yeah. And um, yep. would you would you say that it actually benefits one um, someone to be real with the fact that failure is a thing rather than avoiding it? Because this idea of positive thinking is such a uh, sort of new age thing. And I, I sort of have some trouble with positivity in some ways because there's this idea that I cannot think of the negative. But the moment there's I cannot think of the negative, the moment that, that it occurs, there's almost this shock of, oh my gosh, didn't realize this would happen, um, which is scary. And I've done that many times in my life, honestly. Yeah. Um, that's really set me back. Mm-hmm. So I, I know for myself, I've really needed to learn, uh, well, actually, if I get real with the fact that this could happen and actually become more okay with the fact that it could happen, then it become, gives me a much greater ability to be more positive or focus on that idea of progress. Right. I think it's better to assume that it will. Mm, so good. It's, it's better to assume that it's negative. And that's not, that's not a yeah. negative thing. That's not a yeah. negative mindset oh, at yes. all, especially if you separate out the identity. Think about it, especially in my world, if we're talking about my context, but really it's, it's applicable to anyone. If you're playing the game at the level that I play the game, it is absolutely inevitable that you will fail because we're doing things that have literally never yeah. been done before. That's like Edison inventing the light bulb. He failed 10,000 times. Of course you're going to fail 10,000 times when you're inventing something that's never existed before. How many, how many inventors got it right on the first try? Do you know? Yeah. Zero. Zero. Yeah. None of them. No inventor ever in the history of inventing ever got anything right on the first try. Why? Because that's not mm. how it works. But there's nothing wrong with that. That's what people misunderstand. That's not bad. Failure is not mm. bad. Failure, failure has such a, an attachment, especially in the, in, the, in the self-help world, to bad. And associations really make a big difference. What if failure was just neutral? 
it wasn't good. Some people try to hype it up and make failure like, oh, yeah, you learn from your failures. It's like, yeah, sure, that's okay mm -hmm. sometimes. But you can't sugarcoat it like that. Sometimes it really sucks. Yeah. Sometimes there's nothing to learn from. You just got punched in the fucking face and that's it. There's no story. There's no metaphor. You just got punched in the face. Yeah. End of story. But you get up and you get back in the ring. That's yeah. the point. So failure is not bad. Failure doesn't mean anything about you as a person. Failure just happens. It's an occurrence. So if you're embarking on something it really suits you well to say, yeah, I'm most likely going to fail at this. And, and that's just part of it. And I won't stop until I get mm. what I want. If that's your mindset, then the anticipation of failure is not bad. It doesn't create this negativity. It honestly just creates more of a realism combined with that well, I'm not going to let the failure stop me and I'm not going to stop until I get what I want, then failure it becomes insignificant because you'll just try as many times yeah. as it and takes. And that's obviously, um, I guess it works in both ways. That's a sign of worthiness, but also it's a reflection of um, the creation of more worthiness in a way, isn't it? Almost like the cycle of worthiness. For yeah. sure. How, how often and how big you're willing to fail is not a direct correlation, but, but it, it easily could be very closely related to how worthy you feel like you are because because now we come back mm. to the separation you don't feel like like most people when they fail they most people don't want to fail because they feel like it's a reflection of their unworthiness they feel like they they feel shitty enough they don't need any more external evidence that they're not worthy well that's your problem they're, they're connecting the two when really, truly, they are unrelated. So, good. so if they're unrelated and you can really buy that and you're really good with you, no matter how big you fail or no matter how many times you fail, if you're just good with you, fuck, you'll, you'll just go as big and as bold as humanly possible and you'll just get mm. everything you want. Mm. This is this is amazing, man. I'm I'm actually going to um I don't re-listen to my podcast too often, but I'm definitely going to be listening to this one again. <laughs> this has been great. Um so I just want to finish off up Good. on a, a few short questions, short and sharp questions. So these are more rapid fire questions, just three to five of them. Sure. What strengthens you? Great. Curiosity. Mm. What lights you up? Um, results. <laughs> what creates result? Um, tenacity. Ooh, yes. What heals you? Stillness. And what calms you? Space. Awesome. I just want to say thank you so much for yeah. coming on, Shannon. Honestly, this has been um, it's been a massive honor. Honestly. 
I'm yeah really honored for you, um, for you yeah. to come on and um, I really encourage those that uh, have tuned in to be sure to go and actually listen to Shannon's podcast uh, Leadership to Edge uh, you can find it on iTunes and Spotify I'm assuming and um, yeah probably most platforms and um, you can find his book Revolution of Self and also Expand as well I saw Expand is available on your website um, where could they find Revolution of Self as well if they wanted to Amazon. Uh, Amazon. Yeah. Yeah. And um, yeah. you can also yeah. find them on uh, Instagram. And uh, where else can they also find you? That's right. Yeah. Uh, Facebook. Perfect. Perfect. So I'll put all the links uh, for those in the uh, show notes for you guys to go and check out. But I, I, I don't just recommend following him. I really recommend consuming his content and actually taking notes on a lot of the stuff. Uh I was really, I was really blessed enough to actually be able to attend a couple of his online seminars, and um, yeah, he does some incredible uh, work with um, with his clients. So um, yeah, do yourself a favor and uh, don't just listen to this podcast. Go and really consume a lot of the um, Shannon Graham. So anyway, uh, thanks so much, guys, for tuning in. I uh, be sure to actually, uh, if you feel called to it, please give this podcast a review or a rating of course a six star rating would be fantastic um but um, honestly what you feel called to that would be absolutely fantastic at the end of the day if this really did serve you in some way uh please take some time and actually share it as well because in sharing it actually gives others an opportunity to as well tune into this i can imagine that and honestly if i was to actually reflect on the way i was even even a year ago if I'd had the opportunity to listen to this content and actually learn a lot of what I've actually learned today, um, even in an even more stronger way than I already had, I feel that would have made such a shift in not just how I felt, but also the way I showed up and the results that I was able to create. So thank you, Shannon. This has been absolutely brilliant. Is there anything else you'd like to say awesome. before we conclude? All right. No, yeah. I think that's great. Thank, thank you. you so much. Awesome. Anyway, much love, guys. Thank you. And stay blessed.